0: What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 23. I'm Rob Rondall. alongside me. As always, Noah Gayhart here at Chalk Talk Nation. Uh, Great to have you guys back here with us. We appreciate all the support you've given us here in the past, honestly, almost the past year, which has been great. Uh, We're back better than ever after a brief hiatus because, you know, we had life happen, especially with COVID and whatnot. Uh, But we're going to talk about the Padres making moves. I mean, not moves, splashes, along with our... MLB all time team So it's going to be very interesting I have no idea what Noah has He has no idea what I have Um, So it's going to be very exciting It's going to be a great episode So sit back, relax If you're watching this on YouTube um, crack open a cold one or uh, kick your feet up, relax if you're listening to this in the car, we appreciate it you can find us at chalktalknation.com it's free to subscribe to you can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but with that being said Noah, it's been another week here with Major League Transactions and it seems like the Padres are just dipping into MLB free agency like no other team has so far
1: Yeah, you know it's really funny because we continue to do this, and every week, like right after we record, a bunch of news starts breaking. (laughs) So this week it was the uh, Blake Snell deal, but it seems like twenty minutes
0: after we were done, twenty minutes after we were done, and then we get that news.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know if you if you see this podcast get uploaded, uh, you know expect some other move to happen. I guess is what we should start off by saying. I do want to briefly mention one other move that's not the Padres just because it's kind of what opened the door for it, and that's it. Uh, the Rays traded Jose Alvarado to the Phillies. He's kind of the oh, only, wow. only uh, piece that's really worth noting in that deal is kind of a three-team trade between the Phillies, Rays, and Dodgers. Uh, he's been mm-hmm. really bad the last two years, struggled a lot with command, but 2.79 ERA, over 105 appearances between 2017 and 2018. Uh, you know, Low-risk, high reward type of move. Especially for the Phillies, who were historically bad last year in terms of their bullpen. I mean, they just, everybody they threw out there was just giving up hit after hit and home run after home run. So
0: right, I'm right. sure
1: that the Phillies are definitely hoping for a turnaround. But as I had mentioned, uh, that opened the door for the Blake Snell trade. Uh, so to just kind of go over who everybody got Padres got Blake Snell, obviously. And then the Rays got four prospects back Luis Patino, Cole Wilcox, Francisco Mejia, and Blake Hunt. Uh, Rob, what are your thoughts on this deal?
0: Well, the only name I've really heard of before is that Francisco Mejia, and we know that he was um, traded to the Padres for Jake Bowers back in the day, and Jake Bowers hasn't lived up to expectations there in Cleveland. So I think Francisco Mejia is still, we don't know, he's a big question mark, but I think there's a lot of upside to him. I think that, you know, why not? The Rays are still a young team. You know, they ship Jose Alvarado to Philadelphia, and I think that's a great fit for him because (laughs) – we all know Philadelphia needs the help tremendously in the bullpen, but, you know, I don't really know a whole lot about the other prospects, to be honest with you, but obviously they had to be some pretty good names because Blake Snow, you know, he was your 2018 Cy Young winner, um, so what about you?
1: Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned you don't know much about the prospects, and that's why I'm here. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Exactly. Zero dollars a podcast, but, you know... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Yeah, there's a a couple things about this trade that, you know, from part of it, I think it's really good. One, it's a really balanced trade, I feel like. The Padres, they gave up, you know, some real pieces. And then, uh, you know, obviously the Rays gave up Blake Snell, but they got some pieces for the future. The thing I don't like about this trade is that the Rays are giving up a guy— Who's a former Cy Young winner three years ago? Yeah, they just came off the World Series and now they're automatically in fire sale mode. The guy's under control for three th- for three more years, uh, a three point two four ERA last year and fifty innings pitch, and you're just shipping the guy off as the face of the franchise. Uh, so from that standpoint, I'd be mad as if I'm a Rays fan, and I'd be mad, you know, just as a baseball fan, I hate that that's kind of the message that we're sending that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but the deal happened, so it is what it is. Uh, as far as the guys that the race got back, I'm very high on Luis Patino. Um He's 21. He's highly regarded as one of the best p- pitching prospects in baseball. He pitched 17 innings last year for the Padres at the bullpen, which is not going to be the long-term place for him. He's definitely going to be a rotation piece, but he kind of struggled with the command, 14 walks and 17 innings. Um if I were to give an MLB comp for him, I'd say probably Jose Barrios of the Twins, mm. kind of the smaller frame, but he just has an electric arm,
0: right, uh, just right.
1: wipe out slider, and just you know going to the Rays where you know he can develop with their pitching coaches. I think he's going to be an absolute stud at the top of the rotation a few years from now. Uh, you mentioned Francisco Mejia, you know, he, you you said big question mark, and I think that hits the nail right on the head. You know, there's questions about whether or not he can stick as catcher. He was the former, you know, number one prospect at catcher in baseball. And he's just, you know, the defense isn't necessarily there. He mashed in the minors. He's come up to the majors so far through a little over 350 plate appearances, and he's only hitting 225. So, you know, it's a question of can he finally put it together at the big league level? You know, but one of the things that's been interesting this off season about the Rays is they've just really stacked up on catchers. Another one they got in this uh, in this trade was Blake Hunt, who uh, was a second round pick in twenty seventeen. He's really good defensively behind the plate, and uh, you know he's got a lot of raw power. hasn't tapped into it yet mm-hmm. at, at pro ball, but it's just it'll be interesting to watch how those guys progress because. For as much good as the Rays have done developing players, catchers has kind of been the one aspect where they've really struggled. And so they've gone out, they've got three or four of them this offseason, so it'll be interesting to see if any of them pan out.
0: Yeah, the last season catcher they had was Wilson Ramos, and even when Ramos was with the Rays briefly, I mean, he was dealing with injuries because, as we all know, he was past his prime and whatnot. Um, So, I mean, like you said, Blake Hunt could be interesting, maybe gives Francisco Mejia something to fight about, you know, competitive, you know, a change of scenery could also change too. But, you know, you kind of look back at Jake Bowers when that deal was made. Jake Bowers, he was actually pretty big there in the in the system with San Diego. And then when he came to Cleveland, just, just not really there. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's going to be tough for the Rays for sure because, you know, left-handed pitchers are so valuable already. But when you're a Cy Young winner – you know, throwing 97 with a wipeout slider, that's that's pretty hard to make up for, especially if you ship away Jose Alvarado, who throws a 99 mile per hour sinker that just drops off the table. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Rays do, like you said, with their pitching staff. But obviously, the winners in this, I still think, are the Padres.
1: Yeah, for sure. The, the Padres, I think, come out on top because, you know, pro- the thing about prospects is you don't know what's going to happen. I think three years ago, uh, any MLB analyst would have bet that Francisco Mejia would be, you know, a budding star at the yeah. plate right now. And the guy's 225, 228, 386 slash line through over you know half a season's worth of plate appearances. And so, you know, there's still time for him to turn it around. But like you never really know with these top prospects. Same thing with Luis Patino. You know, is he ever going to be able to find mm-hmm. the command so that he can really be a top end pitcher? And so, you, you know, exactly. you're getting a former Cy Young who signed for three years. Uh, not to mention the, the trade we're going to talk about next Where they went out and got a Cy Young runner-up uh, You know, the the Padres rotation is looking dang good these days
0: Yeah, it really is I mean, they already had the likes of Denelson, Limette And Chris Paddock and with Blake Snow And then you could even throw in the likes of Mackenzie Gore If, you know, he's going to be there and whatnot But then, you know what? Padres said, screw it Let's just go out there and be the real daddies of Major League Baseball And let's go ahead and get you Darvish So we all know you, Darvish, with his first couple of years with the Chicago Cubs. Did not pan out well. Dealt with a lot of injuries. But in 2020, even though it was a shortened season, the dude absolutely shoved, finishing second behind Trevor Bauer for National League Cy Young. And this is a huge get for the Padres. Absolutely, 100%. He comes in with a um, high RPM fastball. Um, He has no problem with his command. Has very good off speed. And I think the West Coast will suit him well. And man, oh man! Just imagine now if Trevor Bauer signs with the Padres.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say they're definitely going to have one of the best rotations, especially after this move. I mean, yep. you mentioned Donnellumet, Paddock, and you didn't even mention Mike Clevenger, who's going to be back exactly I next year. So they're going to get even better a year from now. <laughs> insane, uh, absolutely insane. Yeah, so, so the Padres got you, Darvish, and catcher Victor Caratini. Uh, with Caratini kind of being just a throw-in, he's you Darvish's personal catcher. So there's not really a mm-hmm. whole lot of value there, other than that you know he'll catch spe- specifically U Darvish and probably not much else. Right. It'll be right. Austin Nola for pretty much everything else. Uh, the Cubs got Zach Davies, who you know kind of struggled a little bit in, Sa- in San Diego after being traded out there from Milwaukee last season, uh, and then they got four prospects, none of which are 20 years old yet, or well, the 20 years old or younger, and so you know. This is a good old fashioned salary dump. Let's just call it what it is for the Cubs. You know, I think it's kind of clear that they've decided that their window is over as far as being competitive, and so they're just kind of moving on at this point. Uh, you know, you've seen they've now traded Darvish, they cut Schwarber, Chris Bryant's Chris Bryant's name's been on the market, Javi Baez's name's been on the market. They're reluctant to bring back guys like John Lester on like veteran type deals. Uh, it's just you know. It's not a good scene for the NL Central as a whole. And, you know, the last trade we talked about with Snell and and, uh, the Padres, you know, that was a pretty even trade as far as things go. But to me, this one, the Padres come out as clear winners. I don't think there's really any other way around it.
0: Yeah, clear winners indeed. And, you know, we talk about clear winners and we talk about the future, the present. But, you know, we kind of need to talk about the past a little bit and tie all that in together because there's been a lot of winners with a lot of accolades. Accolades, why I can't even speak. You know, a lot of all-star MVPs, gold gloves, MVPs, stuff like that. And I think that's a great way to transition to our all-time teams. And well,
1: here's I'm going to cut you off because there's just one more thing. There's one more thing I want to talk about it. with the Padres. Go for it. Uh, so, one, they signed Song Kim. We talked about him on last week's podcast. About a guy whose market was kind of heating up, with him yep. having to sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know that that's the three moves that they made with Snell, Kim, and Darvish. Pretty
0: good that, moves. Pretty good in moves.
1: that 24-hour uh, period. And, and so basically, what I wanted to ask you is, where are the Padres in your eyes now? You know, they go out, they land two Cy Young caliber pitchers. They bring in Kim, who is a KBO, you know, all star. Got to be a, a utility man slash second baseman for them right away. You know, have they? put themselves in a position to dethrone the Dodgers, or do you think there's still more to do?
0: I don't think they're going to dethrone the Dodgers still for maybe another year because, I don't know, egos could be in the way. For instance, I mean, you have potentially four number ones <laughs> in the same rotation. You got Blake Snow, Mike Clev, Chris Paddock, and now you Darvish. You know, all these guys have to adjust to maybe pitching on a Monday instead of a Sunday because the five-day split You know, when pitchers go out there, because some situations are different, because some pitchers are seeing different lineups. You know, if let's say you're Mike Clev, you're the three pitcher, you, if the teams have lost the previous two games, they might just put out, you know, a secondary lineup. You know, it's just adjusting and whatnot. Yes, he might overpower them. But then when it comes back around to facing the Dodgers, for instance, and it falls on him for that first game of that series, that's going to be tough. And so I think that's the biggest challenge that the Padres face heading into 2021. But there is strong upside here for this team. I think they have the most swag in Major League Baseball, uh, the Slam Diego Padres, as we say. You know, Fernando Tatis, uh, Trent Grisham. So I mean, there's just there's just a lot of upside for this team.
1: Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I think. You know, and, you know, here's the one thing that I want to say is that Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers are very prideful. Mm -hmm. And so don't be surprised if they go out and make a big splash here in the next week or two. You know, it's really kind of bumped up on the hot stove recently that they're like all in on DJ LeMayhew. He's garnering a ton of interest from them. Uh, You know, they've been mentioned with Nolan Arenado before. I could see them going out and getting a guy like Trevor Story and trying him at third base for a year just because he's got an absolute rocket for an arm with them losing Justin Turner. So I guess basically that's maybe that's going to be the news that breaks right after we finish recording this week.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, hopefully not, though, because, I mean, it is 8.13 p.m. right now on a Sunday. So I hope not. But, I mean, hey, some guys just might want to head into the the work week like, ah, I know exactly where I'm going to go. Announce it on Twitter. But... We shall see. But I think I think that's about it for the most recent news. But kind of like I said before, let's go ahead and talk about our all-time favorite teams. So if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see that Noah and I are, are uh, sporting our favorite teams. So I got the Kelly Green Oakland A's jersey, my favorite jersey probably of all time that the A's have had. And then Noah, what, what do you have on?
1: I've just got a uh, 1970s style Cincinnati Reds shirt. I think that's going to be a little bit of a preview of a few of my Ah, picks tonight.
0: Interesting. Okay, so real quick question. Do you think I have any athletics players in my all-time team?
1: I don't think you do. There's one guy in particular I think might be there, but I'd be hard-pressed to have put him into mine, but I could see where the case could be made, so maybe.
0: Okay, okay. And for those who are avid athletics fans, we all know who he's talking about. And I'm just gonna spoil the beans. It's Ricky Henderson. Uh, Ricky Henderson is not in my MLB all-time uh, team, but he was number three for left fielders. I will say that. So I'm just gonna put that out there. But you know, maybe, maybe in ten years from now, I can go ahead and say, you know, maybe a current athletic player will be on there. But the problem with that is the fact that they can't hold on to to players. Anyway. I'm done going on a tangent. Let's go ahead and start with uh, catchers Noah, and we'll just kind of work our, our way around the diamond. So for those listening, um, if you were listening to us last uh, off season, Noah and I, we would go around the diamond, and we would give our top 10 uh, current players at each position. And now we thought it'd be kind of fun just to go around the diamond and give ourselves you know, an MLB all-time. Uh, players, So it doesn't just include prime like players in the prime. It's an overall career. So Noah, I will let you go ahead and start things off here with the catching position.
1: Yeah. So I just got done mentioning the 1970s red shirt, and I'm going to stick with that team going with old Johnny Bench. Let's
0: go. Uh, Let's go. baby! Best
1: catcher. That's of all what I'm time. talking about. Uh, Cincinnati red from 1967 to 83. Yeah. Rookie of the year, 10 time gold Glover, 14 time all-star two time MVP, they won back-to-back World Series in '75 and '76. Uh, you know, most WAR of all catchers in history. Led the league in home run twice. You know, he he had some juice in his bat, which isn't typical for catchers. Uh, outstanding defense. Really, you know, one of the things that's really interesting. I don't know if enough people know this about Johnny Bench is that like he legitimately revolutionized the game behind the plate at catcher. Uh, you know he's the one that started the whole catching with one hand thing so it used to be that catchers when they catch they keep the backhand behind them like this and he's the one that started just doing the one hand and working on that transition for throwing guys out so I mean he legitimately changed the game and so you know to me Johnny Bench at catcher is a no-brainer.
0: Yeah not only was he nasty behind the dish you know like you said 10 gold gloves but the dude mashed baseballs as well you know 389 career home runs a career OPS of 817, so 126 OPS plus. But back in the day, you know, you had guys that could get away with foreign substance. So, I mean, you never know the game was way different, but now Johnny Bench is my, um, he's my catcher as well. I mean, I think it's hard to even put someone else in there. I mean, I guess you could argue Yogi Berra, but that's just a whole different time frame, you know? And like you said, Johnny Bench revolutionized. And one thing I really like too, is that he's been with Cincinnati his whole career. You don't, you hardly ever see players like that. So, um, and he was an all-star his last year in 1983, which is insane.
1: Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned like he's, you know, he's the guy. It just seems like so obviously, you know, the two guys that I would think would, you know, even be in the conversation would be Mike Piazza and Yvonne mm. Rodriguez. Yeah, Pudge. but when you look at those guys, they were both one-sided. So Mike Piazza just absolutely mashed behind right the plate. He's far yeah. and away a better hitter than Johnny Bench ever was, which is fine. And then Pudge was just—he was—he just—he wasn't a great defender.
0: Yeah.
1: Pudge, on the other hand, probably a better defender at his peak than Johnny Bench ever was. But he just—he wasn't an all-around, you know, stud hitter. Exactly. And so Johnny Bench is just kind of almost the best of both of those players
0: exactly no that's a good analysis right there and, and that was the thing too I mean there's no bias with this pick at all you know I'm a Reds fan as well just like you but I mean it's it's blatantly obvious that Johnny Bench is arguably one of the best catchers of all time I have a funny story for you actually and for everyone listening at home so a couple of years ago I was an umpiring school for a KHSAA so that's the Kentucky High School Athletic Association and the instructor, his name was Greg. I don't remember what his last name was, but he told me the story about the time where he got to Umpire an exhibition game at Riverfront Stadium when Johnny Bench was there and everything like that. And Tom Seaver was pitching. And he said that he has never seen like a quicker pop time his entire life. I mean, and he's been in round baseball, major league baseball, minor league baseball for decades and he said you could hear the ball sizzle when he throws it down to second base and that just i kind of gave me goosebumps you know it's like that'd be so cool to be able to go back in time and and watch that and the thing too is you know he started in the in the late 60s and started playing into the early 80s when you know this is where not yet but you know um well, no, I'm not going to say that because that was the 90s, the steroid era. But um, but he's been through technically three decades worth of baseball. So um, very special player indeed. But what do you got at first base? Yeah. Uh,
1: so I went pretty old school with this pick, and uh, I went with Lou Gehrig, uh, <laughs> noted, noted member of Murderer's Row, <laughs> uh, New York Yankees, another guy that spent his entire career with one team uh, from 1923 to 1939, two-time MVP, Won the Triple Crown, 1934. Seven-time All-Star. Won six World Series uh, over the course of his career. Uh, notable for the Iron Man streak. He played 2,130 consecutive games. 18th all-time in WAR. 16th in batting average. Third third all-time in slugging. And fourth in OPS plus all-time. The dude just mashed. Um, you know, typically I lean more towards. Current players, when I'm you know deciding on rankings, and I think you'll see that in a in a future pick of mine. But you know he's just one of the best hitters of all time. You know, there's no really way around it. You know three forty four forty seven six thirty two slash line is just incredible. Almost three thousand hits, just seven home runs shy of five hundred. And you know I don't know what else to say about the man other than he just mashed.
0: Yeah. Now I know this is literally almost going on 100 years ago, but uh, 1927, Lou Garrick had 173 RBIs. Now, we know nowadays RBIs don't really matter, but I mean, that's just insane. Those are video game numbers. I don't even think I can put up that many on rookie. Well,
1: here, here's what I'll say about that as well, as you have to keep in mind that he was hitting behind Babe Ruth, and Babe Ruth was known for hitting just a ton of home runs, right? And so, you know, he found a way to get 173 RBIs, despite the fact that Babe Ruth was hitting in front of him, clearing the bases all the time. So, I mean, that's pretty incredible to me.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because that's actually a player I wanted to mention was, as an honorable mention, was Tony Perez for the Reds. Um, Because, you know, he hit right behind Pete Rose. You know, Pete Rose was knocking all these runs in and whatnot, and Tony Perez was still able to push over 100 RBIs which is insane I think a lot of people sleep on Tony Perez but now I do have Luke Gehrig as (laughs) as my top first baseman as well we might as well just start going with our second uh, players Noah Um, but we're two for two right now which is which is nice to say I never thought I'd be able to say that because I feel like we have a very uh, different taste when it comes to selecting our or players and whatnot, but now it's hard to argue, like you said. I mean, seven time All Star, like you said, uh, Triple Crown winner. There haven't been a minute, there hasn't been a ton of Triple Crown winners. The most recent one being Miggy Cabrera when he was fighting off Chris Davis, yes, Chris Davis from the Orioles <laughs> for home runs. Um, but very special player, and as we all know, um, he battled with uh, ALS, so yeah. Who's, so who's your second baseman?
1: Well, I'm going to go back to the shirt again, (laughs) and I'm going to go with old Joe Morgan as my second baseman, the uh, 5'7 slugger. Uh, You know, not a guy that spent his entire team, entire career with one team, actually bounced around quite a bit. He ended ended in Oakland. Yeah, Houston, the Reds, Giants, Phillies, and then ended up his final season in Oakland. Um, back-to-back MVP winner on what I consider to be the best teams of all time, the 75 and 76 Reds. And those two MVP seasons, he put up 10.9 and 9.6 war, respectively, which is just insane. Um, You know, 10-time All-Star, 5-time Gold Glover, won those two MVPs. uh, You know, as, as with Johnny Bench, won those two World Series in 75 and 76. Really was just kind of like a player that was just more or less just ahead of his time. Uh, you know, he's a guy that got on base a ton, walked a lot. Uh, you know, he stole a lot of bases, but he's also, you know, really efficient when he did it. And that's something that, you know, that's been cut out of the game a lot as far as steals go, because, you know, the kind of analytics say, if you can't steal a base successfully at least 75% of the time, it's not worth trying, but he was able to do that successfully. And that brought a whole different, you know, dynamic to the game, especially when you have pitchers that are having to focus on what he's doing at first base when you then got to turn around and pitch to a guy like Pete Rose or George Foster or Tony Perez or Johnny bench, it just, you know, it's an ultimate game changer. Um, you know, over one five year period of his career, he averaged nine and a half worst season, which is just stupid. I don't like, there's no other way around that. Um, you know, and you know, unfortunately he passed away earlier this year, but to me, he's an all time great.
0: Yeah. Well, no, we're three for three. I have Joe Morgan as my top second baseman as well. It's just crazy, man. Think about this. He started his career out as a 19-year-old for the Houston Astros when they were still in the National League. Spent 10 seasons there, okay? He had 219 stolen bases. Usually your prime is around 27, 28, right? That's when you start to hit your the top of your prime. like You're as far up as you can ascend, and then most players descend. We'll scratch that out because age 28 to age 35 uh, season... 406 stolen bases with the Cincinnati Reds absolutely insane had his best OPS at 885 with the Reds for eight years and that's really what solidified him you know for sure as that Hall of Famer you know like you said just putting up over 10 war those years when they won the World Series it's just absolutely impeccable it's it's incredible and I I think it's absolutely ridiculous to put anyone else there at second base
1: yeah, the the one guy that I really heav- heavily considered putting over Jim Morgan would be Rogers Hornsby. Yeah, and you know, and he blows Joe Morgan out of the water in terms of WAR. And and I, I get the argument, but this is one of those times where, to me, if it's a toss-up, I'm always going to give it to the guy that's you know more recent, just because those guys tend to be better players. You know, Rogers Hornsby. Too.
0: We don't know. There's no. Was- yeah.
1: Right. Rogers Hornsby, you know, played prior to integration. So he's playing against weaker competition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not to mention there's a lot of rumors that he might have been a KKK member. So oh, goodness. not interested in putting that on the list. Yeah. So, no, that's that's you know, true. Any anytime it's a toss up like that, I tend to go with the with the more recent guy. And you know, Joe Morgan was really someone that in today's game saber matricians would absolutely love for the way he played. And, you know, it's sad that Once he kind of became a broadcaster, you know, a lot of people stopped seeing him so uh, in such a good light just because he was so against like analytics and on base percentage and all that, despite that being exactly the way he played. But, you know, at the end of the day, outstanding ball player, uh, you know, longtime broadcaster. It's a shame he passed away this year because he's a really good guy. And yeah.
0: Yep. Well, you know what? I'm going to go first now for shortstops because I want to see if we might mix it up a little bit. So we're three for three. Let's see if we're four for four. I don't know. This one's kind of a toss-up. So my top shortstop is the all-time leader in consecutive games in Cal Ripken Jr. So Cal Ripken Jr. is my top shortstop. 19 of his 21 seasons, he was an all-star, two-time MVP. He was rookie of the year in 1982 Um, and They won the World Series in 83. That was the last time the Orioles won a World Series. And he was an All-Star MVP as well and two-time Gold Glover. Cal Ripken was a special type of player that we haven't seen before at that position. Um, There's been a lot of versatile guys. Uh, You could throw Barry Larkin in the mix, Ozzy Smith, Derek Jeter. And I know there's a couple others. Honus Wagner. You know, Honus Wagner, I get it. He has the most expensive baseball card of all time from like 1919 or something when he was with the Pirates or whatever but kind of like what Noah was saying before competition was just probably not as good back then you know and baseball was quickly adapting he played in three decades as well and I don't know I think Cal Ripken is just one heck of a ball player and I mean he has a little league world series or something like that named after him. So he's obviously doing something right with his career and he's a hall of famer. So that's my top shortstop.
1: You know, funnily enough, I actually went against my own ideals here and I did pick Honus Wagner as my, as my best shortstop of all time. (laughs) Uh, Interesting. You know, it, you know, and as I had mentioned, you know, a second base to me, it's just whenever there's a toss up, I'll tend to go with the guy that's more recent but to me, Honus Wagner is just the best of the best. You know, he played in the dead ball era, so offensive statistics just in that era were just not good. And you know, there's a lot of you know we just kind of write off the the younger periods, and a lot of times, rightfully so. But there are those guys that played in that era that were just so far and away better than everyone else that like it's worth remembering. Uh, you know, Hunters Wagner, dead ball era, still hit 328, 391, 467, uh, put up almost 3,500 hits, over 100 home runs. Uh, he's first all time in War and OPS Plus, which is era adjusted uh, for all shortstops. Uh, another one of those guys who's kind of, you know, he played for a long time. He played, you know, as you mentioned, part of three decades. And, you know, as he got older, he actually got better. He won eight batting titles over the course of his career, and six of them came after he turned 30 years old. Tenth all-time in war in baseball, eighth all-time in hits, you know, tenth in doubles, third in triples, top ten stolen base guy, and 30th in all of baseball in OPS+. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's pretty dang good and a resume good enough to get him number one for shortstop.
0: <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, it's not a bad pick, you know, and I completely understand where you're coming from. Like you said, when there's no toss up, I just really like Cal Ripken Jr. I thought he had a tremendous career, but hey, okay, we're three for four. We're three for four. <laughs> so my top third baseman is Anthony Rendon. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. I just wanted to see if you would raise your eyebrows. I'm, t- I'm totally kidding. I, uh,
1: I, you know, I just, I didn't want to say anything.
0: <laughs> what were you thinking? I mean, I know it wasn't very long
1: but I mean it was oh god I really hope he's kidding but
0: <laughs> no I think if you have anyone else other than this person I'm about to name you are absolutely crazy um it's Dayton Ohio uh, Dayton Ohio's finest Mike Schmidt Hall of Famer three-time MVP 12-time All-Star six-time Silver Slugger 10-time Gold Glover I think I already mentioned that this dude was absolutely raw um 106 career war which is just ridiculous Uh, 548 home runs 908 OPS 148 OPS plus and another guy you know you have to respect it's been his whole career with the Philadelphia Phillies so I mean this is just tremendous and he was an all-star in his last year when this when the steroids were really starting to come into play there right before the 90s and um, it just goes to show how special this player was I mean Mike Schmidt and he's still very involved today Uh, with baseball Uh, he lives down in Florida now but Mike Schmidt that's all I got to say
1: yeah I've I've got Mike Schmidt as mine as well so we're back on the track of having the same guys Uh, you know in my opinion one of the biggest draft blunders that the Reds ever made I mean the guy was right in their backyard growing up in Dayton Ohio and they thought that he wasn't good enough to play for the Cincinnati Reds and here (laughs) we are talking about him as the best third baseman of all time Uh, You know, as you mentioned, just incredible all-around player, 25th all-time in war, 16th in home runs, 38th all-time in OPS+. Uh, You know, he's a guy that annually drew 100-plus walks a year, really a feared hitter, Uh, and another one of those guys that's just truly all-around. I mean, you know, he's widely regarded as one of the best defensive third basemen ever up there with, you know, Brooks Robinson, Scott Rowland, and, and guys like that. I mean, he's just really... Is an incredible ball player. Over 2,000 hits. You mentioned almost 550 home runs. Uh, you know, World Series champ, three-time MVP. I mean, he just was incredible.
0: All right, so we're four for five right now. I, I like I like that. Doing well so far. Yeah, I mean, it's just no question. I mean, if you look currently, you could say, well, Nolan Arenado is the best third baseman in the game right now. We know this, but still, you look at Mike Schmidt's career. He wasn't just good offensively, he was tremendous defensively as well. And, you know, back in the day, a lot of those stadiums had AstroTurf. That ball's coming off that bat a lot harder. Or at least skipping on that turf a lot harder than it is now. Um, so I mean, Mike Schmidt was just a solid choice right there. Um, so now arguably the best player of all time for left field, I gotta go with Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. I mean, you can say what you want. I think Barry Bonds deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because the way I see it, you still have to hit the ball with the bat. It could be 101 miles per hour. It could be a nasty 12-6 curveball that goes to the dirt. This man still managed to hit 762 home runs, made solid contact, had just two points shy of a 300 uh, batting line. Um, batting average line for his career had over a thousand OPS for his career 182 OPS plus just absolutely stupid he is a seven-time MVP winner the only um, player ever to do that Uh, Mike Trout obviously has the potential to do that as well Uh, eight-time gold glover so back when he was you know with uh, Pittsburgh his last year at uh, age 26 actually he won gold glove and he even won a couple in San Francisco. So very special player. And that's where the whole thing, the Barry Bonds treatment, getting walked with the bases loaded. Noah, what do you think?
1: Yeah, Beryl Bonds is a Hall of Famer. He deserves, <laughs> he deserves it. Uh, he's my pick as well for left field. And, and you know that was that was the one thing where I was really worried that you were Ricky pick Henderson yeah. over Barry Bonds, and we number, were gonna have to number two is Ted argument.
0: Williams. Number two is Ted Williams. Yes, pretty close. absolutely,
1: Ted Williams. I you know it, it was a lot of consideration, but you know the difference to me between Ted Ted Williams and Barry Bonds is that Barry Bonds was an all around player. Ted Williams was not. Right. You know you can make the argument for either Bonds or Williams as being the best hitter of all time, but what Ted Williams wasn't doing was winning eight Gold Gloves you know, swiping bags early in his career. That's just not the type of player that Ted Williams was. And it's the type of player that Barry Bonds was. And so to me, that elevates him even further. But, you know, you mentioned Barry Bonds' treatment. You get walked with the bases loaded. Uh, You know, one season he posted a 609 on-base percentage, which, like, how is someone getting on base 60% of the time? That's just unheard of for anybody. Um, You know, all-time home run leader fourth all-time in war 6 in obp fifth in slugging third in ops plus just all around incredible player mm-hmm. not necessarily the best guy but you know we're talking about baseball achievements right now and as exactly. far as that goes you know it's hard to put anyone greater than Barry Bonds
0: yeah i mean just absolutely stupid i remember watching number 756 live it was it was right before my birthday cuz it was in august and just seeing him put his hands up, and I was just like, I literally just witnessed history, and that's something I can always say. And it was so cool, uh, to see that. Um, and I think the record's gonna be broken. I do 762. A lot of people say it's still 755 with Hank Aaron. I understand. Um, either way, those are two very highly coveted players. Um, so. Let's go ahead. We're five for six. No, we are doing, we are right on the same page here. Let's see if we're on the same page. We're going to do it on the count of three. We're going to name the uh, top center fielder for our all time team. Okay. So yeah. it'll be one, two, three, and then name okay. it. Okay. All right. So one, two, three. Mike Trout. Willie Maze. Oh. No, I, okay. That's, that's fair. That's very fair. I just, okay. So for me, Mike Trout just, we obviously know he's generational talent the way he's able to produce right now. Uh, you know, we have all new technology, stat cast, and um, players are throwing harder than they ever did before. I just... He's such a special player. 1,000 uh, career OPS right now, 176 OPS plus, 74 war, and he's only age 29. We know that he has at least 12 more years or 13 more years um, in Major League Baseball, so that's definitely going to skyrocket over 100. And... Hopefully he stays healthy, but I mean, dude's absolutely insane. But that that's that's why I have Mike Trout number one. But honestly, I don't think you could go wrong either way with Mike Trout or Willie Mays.
1: Yeah, to me, the only reason I don't have Mike Trout is because he's still playing. And yeah. you know, to elaborate on that, it's just you don't know what the back end of his career is going to look like. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I think that if you took Albert Pujols and cut his career right after he got done playing in St. Louis and You ask people, there's probably a lot of people that would have told you by the time he's done playing, he's going to be the best first baseman of all time. That's fair. You take Ken Griffey Jr., after even his first year at Cincinnati, you know, a lot of people are saying the same thing about, you know, center fielder. And then you just see where injuries just completely have de- derailed both of those guys' careers. And that's not to say that they're not incredible inner circle Hall of Famers because they are, but you just You know, it hurt them to not have the ability to keep accumulating war, to keep accumulating home runs and stats like that at the same pace for the back half of their career. And so for me, you know, I hope that Mike Trout becomes that player and he's, you know, an easy slot in number one all time center fielder. And if he stays at the pace that he's producing right now, I think he's going to be that. But for me, I I just I wasn't ready to put him number one on my center fielder list. But you were totally justified in doing, though, and I want to make the, that point clear. Uh, but, yeah, for me, I want Willie Mays, rookie of the year, two-time MVP, 24-time All-Star, 12-time Gold Glover, and a World Series champion, uh, six, 660 home runs. Uh, recently passed by a guy I just mentioned, in Albert Pujols, uh, you know, which pushed him one back on the list, so he's now sixth. But... You know, when he retired, he was second all time in home runs, 29th all time in stolen bases. Just did it all great defensively. He's got one of the most infamous catches of all time in the World Series.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Incredible power and speed. Uh, You know, 3,283 hits. Uh, Top in war, peak performance, and Jay Jaffe's uh, Jaws metric, which kind of looks at like peak career for players as far as center fielders go. Uh, As far as just all players in history, fifth all time in war. Twelfth in hits, six in home runs, and nineteenth in OPS plus. Just an all-around incredible player, and you know I, I think he's number one.
0: Did you ever hear about the legendary story of Willie Mays in that catch?
1: About him throwing it all the way to home plate? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah,
0: there's no way he threw it 480 like, feet. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. There's no way. Like even if you uh, watch the video, you just see it go like straight up. It there's like a zero percent chance. I don't even think. I don't. I just. It's impossible.
1: Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, Foolish Baseball did a did a baseball bits on it, and if you haven't seen it, guys, go check it out. Because one, if you're not watching Foolish Baseball stuff, I highly recommend. It's it's incredible YouTube content. So go check that out. Once you're done listening to this, not not before. I'm gonna
0: subscribe but, to it right now because I <laughs> I'm gonna subscribe to it right now. Actually, while we're on yes, the spot. <laughs> but
1: but uh, you know, an incredible YouTuber. I believe he did a video on it. Uh, you know, he does a lot of other stuff. He's got a video about another guy that I'm going to talk about later in this podcast as well. Um, but with that being said, do you want to move on to right fielder?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, this one's pretty freaking obvious. Um, if you ask me, I mean, I think we both know it's Babe Ruth. I hope you have Babe Ruth. Okay. You do. So Noah and I both have Babe Ruth. I was just dumbfounded when I looked him up here in baseball reference. 206 OPS plus. Dude, that is absolutely insane. Uh, Well over 150 war. So he has uh, 182.5 total. I mean, this is a guy who walked um, 100 some points above his career batting average. 474, 1100 OPS. Absolutely raw. And we all know that not only um, was he a great batter, But he was a tremendous pitcher too. He had the ERA title in 1916 with the Boston Red Sox. And 40 games started. Think about that. 40 games started. 323 and two-thirds innings. Struck out 170 batters. I'm surprised it's not less because your arm would be absolutely drained. His ERA plus was 158. So, I mean, that is pretty impressive. His career FIP as a pitcher, 2.81 which is outstanding. So I think that's another thing people forget about was not only did Babe Ruth play right field, but you know, he also slugged home runs. So he's kind of, well, he has the past better past of Shohei Otani.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, you, you've hit the nail on the head. You guys are just an incredible hitter. Probably the most well-known baseball player of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows who Babe Ruth even is. Even if you're
0: not a baseball fan, you know who Babe right. Ruth you is. Right, you know yeah. who it
1: is. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned the pitching career, and that was something that I learned doing the research uh, for this podcast. Not that he was a pitcher, but I didn't realize how good of a pitcher he was. Yeah. Uh, he's 17th all-time in career ERA. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Like, uh, <laughs> like, it's nuts. You know, and, and then you just, yeah, you know. I think I'm just a better hitter, so I'll stick with that. And then you OPS over 1100 for your career. Just stupid. 206 OPS plus. You know, and you know, and I've talked about it a few times now that I, I give more credit to you know more modern players. And you know, I did consider Hank Aaron for the spot, but I like, did
0: too. I did too.
1: OPS plus is era adjusted, and he's still 206. Like, what do you do with that? It's just he's so incredible of a player. You know. I'm sure you know was huge in making baseball what's considered America's pastime you know called shot just incredibly infamous player and you know he's just the best
0: yep so those are our position players I think we were seven for nine I think we were seven for nine or wait one, two, three, four, yep. five, seven, six, seven, seven for eight. Eight. Seven, six six for eight. eight. we were six for eight that's not bad yeah we can S- do math guys we promise yeah we promise so we I had Cal Ripken Noah had Honus Wagner, and then he had Willie Mays for center field, and I had Mike Trout. So other than that, though, we'll kind of go through the list again um, that we had similar. So we had Johnny Bench as our best catcher, Lou Gehrig as our best first baseman, Joe Morgan as our best second baseman, Mike Schmidt as our best third baseman, Barry Bonds best left fielder, and then Babe Ruth best right fielder. Now to wrap things up here with our all-time teams. What we did, we did three starting pitchers. So we did three starting pitchers and one reliever. So Noah, I'll go ahead and start. Um, but one, I'm going to go in order of best to like, I guess worst, even though it's not worse. But you know what I mean. So one, two, three, just like a pitching rotation.
1: Yeah, I did not order these guys in terms of who I thought was the best, just because at this point I think we're almost splitting hairs. There's so many guys. But if you name a guy that I've named, then I'll go ahead and talk about that guy as well, and we'll just go about it that way. Should I just
0: do my top three then, or should I just do? Yeah,
1: just give give me your first name.
0: Okay, so you know what? I'll save the best for last, and I'll start with my third best pitcher. So my third best pitcher that I have on this list is Greg Maddox. Uh, Greg Maddox, Hall of Famer, four-time Cy Young, 1995 World Series champion. And you have to think, too, Greg Maddox, if you're an avid baseball fan, you know that he never was overpowering with his fastball. He threw maybe 89, 90 miles per hour. and But his sinker was devastating. Absolutely nasty. Had the best command, I think, of all time among any pitcher. Um, hardly walked anybody. If we take a look at... His uh, career, he only walked 999 batters in over 5,000 innings pitch, which is absolutely insane. And he still struck out over 3,000 batters. Let's not get that twisted. Absolutely insane. Um, Pitched over 260 innings uh, for three straight years from 1991 to 1993. And he played for four teams. And fun fact, though, he actually played for the Pikeville Cubs. That was the minor league team uh, when he came up with the works. And in his book, he talks about running up the 99 there at the University of Pikeville, formerly known as Pikeville College. I think that's a fun fact that he played for the Pikeville Cubs right there um, at the old field. So uh, Greg Maddox is my number three, number two pitcher of all time. Um, I have Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson is my number two, uh, five-time Cy Young, 10-time All-Star, triple crown winner for a pitcher standpoint, uh, four-time ERA title. This man played for, seems like a lot of teams, but absolutely nasty. For those who are kind of familiar with baseball, uh, maybe not, he was the pitcher who, during spring training, absolutely destroyed a bird. <laughs> so I'm sure you can find that video on YouTube. That was him. Had, I would say, below a three, four, quarter slot, uh, just wicked slider, 101 mile per hour fastball from the left side, standing at 6'10". So that fastball is coming in like 104, 105, and that's before you know players were getting more advanced here in the 2010s and now in two in the 2020s, I should say, which is really weird to say. Um, 3.29 career ERA, 1.17 WHIP, over 4,800 strikeouts in 4,100 innings pitched. Absolutely disgusting. Um, He led the league in ERA in one, two, three, four years during his 22-year career. Um, Just absolutely disgusting. And then my number one pitcher of all time, and people might debate this, it's Pedro Martinez. Uh, Pedro Martinez is my number one Hall of Famer, three-time Cy Young, eight-time All-Star, 2004 World Series champion. Pedro was nasty his entire career. Um, He had two seasons where his ERA dipped below two, had uh, 13 complete games in 1997, arguably his best season where he won the Cy Young, finished 16th in the MVP voting and he was an All-Star. Strikeout per nine was 11.4, which is just stupid, and his FIP was a 2.39, which you love to see and that, you know, calculates for your fielders and the ballpark you're playing in as well. So, I don't think there's really any argument there. I know it's subjective, but those are my three. Greg Maddux 3, Randy Johnson 2, and Pedro Martinez number 1.
1: You know, Funnily enough, and I was not expecting this, we went two for three. Oh. Uh yeah. Okay. I had Pedro Martinez as well. I mean he put up, you know, two, in my opinion, of the best pitching seasons back to back with the yep. Red Sox. He pitched in this era where, you know, everybody was using steroids, mm-hmm. it seemed like, you know, mm-hmm. you had guys who, you know, later in their careers were getting popped left and right, but you got guys like Barry Bonds who are out here putting up six hundred uh on base percentage yep. seasons. Yep. And yet Pedro has a career 2.93 ERA. The guy was uh, just incredible. Changeup, Wiley guard is one of the best pitchers of all time. Third year ERA plus for his career. Uh, three-time Cy Young winner. I mean, it's just to me the only knock that there even is on Pedro Martinez, I would say, would be longevity. I think that the you know the years with the Mets and the part of a season with the Phillies, you know, kind of diminishes his career maybe a little bit. But as far as, you know, his spirit with the Red Sox was just lights out nonstop in an era where everyone was just mashing baseballs. Uh, you know, one of the things I found in the in those two seasons with the Red Sox, I believe it was 99 and 2000, or it might have been 2000, 2001. Uh, the AL ERA as a whole for the league was 489. And then Pedro Martinez's ERA for the same two years was a 1.9. So, I mean, he was just so far and away better than everyone else around him at that time that you know it'd be silly to not include him the other guy we matched on was randy johnson uh the big unit pitched for a bunch of different teams pitched for a super long time you know you mentioned just strikeout machine wipe out slider 610 you know just goofy looking dude who could stride like halfway <laughs> to the plate it seemed like yeah, yeah you know what could the man not do uh, after his 35th birthday, he went 103-49 and 49 with a 2.65 ERA. I mean, talk about longevity. Ninth in pitcher war, 29th in war for all big leaguers, hitters and pitchers. Uh, 22nd all-time in wins. You know, just what, what, what couldn't the guy do? You know, killed a bird in spring training, which is probably the only time that that's ever going to happen ever in all of history and you know what? he even starred in a movie too uh you might have seen him in little big league starring as himself uh you know just
0: (laughs) absolute unit dude for the mariners just like here i am all
1: around incredible guy (laughs) you know spoiled the twins playoff runs in that movie but you know it is what it is so
0: wait who's your number three because i'm really interested i'm very intrigued to hear what you have to say here
1: yeah, so my number three, and I did. I heavily considered Greg Maddox. I heavily considered a bunch of guys. I should say, right. like, I, it's you hard. Know, it's it, it's splitting hair to pick three starting pitchers. Yeah. You know, Bob Gibson, Tom Seaver. Uh, you know, some of the older guys that all make the cut. Uh, I went with Roger Clemens, and I get you know the whole steroids thing, but also. I'm not going to be flip-floppy as far as Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens go. I think they're both surefire Hall of Famers, regardless of the steroids use. Because frankly, MLB and Bud Selig knew about the steroid use and said we don't care. So why should I care? You know, uh, just incredible numbers for his career. Pitched from 1984 to 2006, 354 wins. Pitched just shy of 5,000 career innings with a 3.12 ERA. Racked up 4,672 strikeouts with a 1.17 WHIP, won an MVP, seven Cy Young awards, won the pitcher triple crown twice, which is leading in wins, strikeouts, and ERA. Eleven-time All Star, won the ERA title seven times, eighth in All War for players, third in All Pitcher War, ninth in wins, third in strikeouts, thirteenth in ERA plus. Similar to Johnson and Martinez, he kind of pitched in that area in that era where everyone was hitting home runs, everyone was roided up. And while guys like Martinez and Johnson did it clean, you know, Roger Clemens, you know, might have been using it. I don't know exactly when that was. And a lot of people think it's towards the latter part of his career because he's just kind of trying to extend it out. But even just in the early part of his career, if you just take that, he was just an all out lights out pitcher, you know, hundred plus mile an hour fastball consistently good breaking stuff. And, you know, that was enough for me to give him the nod. Yeah,
0: Roger Clemens was actually my number four. So, I mean, this has been one of the most fun podcasts because, I mean, we've been right there with each other, every position. And we did not talk to each other about this at all with who we were going to put there. So, pretty cool. Okay, so we have one more position left. And this position is just relief pitcher a relief pitcher. So, it could be a closer or a long reliever, middle relief specialist. Doesn't matter. We have one player here. And Noah, I will let you take the reins.
1: Yeah, let's let's not kid ourselves here. We're talking relievers, we're talking closer, <laughs> we're talking the big apple, yeah, pinstripes, number forty two bullpen, number forty two Mariano Rivera. Spent his entire career with the Yankees from ninety five to twenty thirteen. Uh pitched uh one thousand two hundred and eighty three and two thirds innings for his career, all time leader in saves was six hundred and fifty two. A 2.201 career ERA and racked up over 1,100 strikeouts. Uh, You know, all-time leader in saves, games finished, and ERA plus at 2.05. Uh, Incredible in the postseason. 96 appearances, 42 saves, a .7 ERA. So he only gave up 11 earned runs. And, you know, and he pitched while the Yankees were just in the postseason every year and just were winning World Series nonstop. You know, they won five over the course of his career. First in war for relievers. I mean, just the best of the best, and I frankly, I don't think it's close.
0: Yeah, uh, Mo with the, that nasty cutter, uh, what he's known for. But you look at 1995, his rookie year, you know, the Yankees wanted him as a starter. He started 10 games, made 19 appearances. Not very good. You know, he had the ERA plus at 84. FIP was 5.15. A 5.51 ERA, just not good. So what do you do, right? Move him to the bullpen. Since then, he only had one year where his ERA was over three. And that was in 2007 when he was 37 years old. And how did he respond the next four years? Ah, okay. Let me just go ahead and have my ERA dip below two and just absolutely shove once again. And he's the all-time saves leader. um, And then he's the all-time games finish leader and the all-time ERA plus leader at 205, which is absolutely insane. That's 105 points above average and that incorporates the ballpark so we know yankee stadium is a hitter friendly ballpark too even the old yankee stadium so that just goes to show how nasty mo was and i know 19 games it isn't a big sample there but it still would uh, change a little bit if you didn't have that season or if you had a little bit of better season if he was in the pen but man there's just there's no one else compared to him there's just he's such a special player do you know why by chance he got to keep number 42 when they
1: retired I don't off the top of my head and I meant to look it up and forgot to do it. But you know, that is, that is another you know interesting thing about him is that he did get to wear 42. Uh, you know, it might've been because before they retired it, he was already wearing it. And I think that but I'm sure there are
0: other players too, though.
1: Right. But I, I think that he's the last guy. And so like, it's one of those things where if you're already number 42, we'll let you wear it until you retire. And then he played for like, 20 something years. And so he gets to wear it for forever, it felt gotcha. like. But, you know, you mentioned the cutter, and, you know, it's widely regarded as one of the best pitches of all time. I mean, he legitimately lived off of one pitch his entire career once he went to the bullpen and still was the best closer of all time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, all time leader in saves, you know, 0.7 ERA in the postseason is just incredible, you know. He's a big part, big part of why the Yankees were as good as they were in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so hats off to Mo, by far and away the best reliever of all time.
0: Yep. And honestly, I don't see a better way to end it than that. I mean, Mario Navarra, uh, top of the cake right there. Uh, but Noah and I, we had a, a lot of similarities with our all-time teams. Um, but we'd like to thank everyone for uh, listening Um, If you're listening on our website or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, we appreciate it. We see every like, every view. We appreciate it very much. Um, Please feel free, and we would absolutely love it if you would leave a comment or shoot us a direct message on Twitter at Chalk Talk Nation, uh, what you would like to see in future videos, podcasts. Maybe you want us to do our top 10 favorite fan bases or something. We can kind of tie that into the weekly news and what we can talk about and whatnot. You know, we really want to immerse the fans here with us you know we're all considered one big family and we love talking about baseball Noah and I grew up on baseball and uh it means a lot to us even if it's only you know just a handful of viewers it just we know that you know it means something to someone so uh thank you guys so much and stay tuned for next week's episode and we will see you next time